one of Louisville's most successful yet outspoken entrepreneurs, is here to talk about small business. Famous pizza man John Schnatter is on the Access Louisville podcast. That's coming up next. Thanks for joining us. My name is David Mann, and joining me today is Haley Cawthon. Hi there. And John Schneider. Hey, gang. Hey, Haley. Hey, Dave. How y'all doing? Doing great. Access Louisville is a weekly podcast from Louisville Business First. Each week, we bring you the latest news, mixed with the sharpest opinions, on this city we love, Louisville, Kentucky. But before we do that, I'm going to start this show the way I always do, with a difficult question for our panel. So Haley had a story this week on LouisvilleBusinessFirst.com about a new-to-market biscuit chain called Maple Street Biscuit Company opening a location here in Louisville. So biscuit restaurants have kind of become this enormously popular thing in the last few years. Uh, the local restaurant Biscuit Belly, uh, as, as we reported, has uh, signed a uh, franchise deal, kind of taking it nationwide. So my question to both of you guys, and this is just an icebreaker to get us talking here. What do you think is the next big menu item to take off the way biscuits have? And John, I would love to get your take on this. What do you think the next big food trend like that is going to be? Well, I've never heard of Maple Street biscuits, uh, but here's it's what I like about Cracker Barrel, actually. Okay. But here's what I like about the name, Dave. One is it's actually a street, so it's a location. So mm -hmm. I like that. Two is it tells you what it is. It's biscuits. And more specifically, it tells you the taste, Maple mm -hmm. Street biscuits. Now, I don't eat a lot of biscuits, but you got to admit, it's, it, the name is delicious. It's, it's very, uh, I think, yeah, it's very enticing, I would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, think, I think to pizza and to tacos and some of these uh, things that have been really big trends in Louisville as far as new restaurants popping up, um, I honestly think the next big thing is going to be this big push for um, to-go meals and family meal kits. I feel like that's going to, you know, continue yeah. to be a big, a big market segment after COVID because so many people have relied on, you know, these pre-made meals that they can just take and bake or, or whatever it is at home. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of interesting food concepts that pop up around pre-made meals. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I'll, uh, I, I kind of, uh, I kind of see a lot more of the delivery and to go things, uh, kind of taken off. Um, love to see a whole restaurant concept around delivery margaritas. I've brought this up on this show before. Somebody <laughs> make it happen. But, uh, anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's get to why we're here. We want to talk to John. Uh, John, you're a, you know, we, we business first, we've covered you over the years, you know, when you were leading Papa John's, uh, you're a business minded person and uh and you know from what we heard you had some concerns about the future of small business so uh what's on your mind well i i usually try to keep things unemotional when you're mm -hmm. talking about like politics or political decisions or certain administrations and but with small business when you walked a mile in their shoes uh starting from zero in a broom closet um, and you start out a small business and you can't pay your bills and you're broke and your checking accounts overdrawn, overdrawn, you are empathetic to small business owners. And 
to walk a mile in their shoes is one thing, but their situation is even more difficult. They start, they stop, they start, they stop. And I'm very concerned, especially about restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, the overregulation is not good. Um, are you talking about I'll COVID? give you an example. COVID, uh, the administration's adding uh, regulations. I'll give you an example. Uh, store number three in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, back in the days, it took six months to get us a permit from our fire marshal. He held me up for six months. Mm-hmm. And um, I understand the you know you need to have oversight, but when you're intentionally doing it to kind of stop the ebb and flow of free markets and voluntary exchange, um, you hurt everybody, and it does, and that's where business goes from where it makes other people's lives better to where it makes it more uh, difficult and clumsy. But minimum wage at $15 an hour, I mean, our model at Papa John's at $10, $11 an hour gets strained very much so. Mm-hmm. We'll take the Keystone Pipeline. Um, it produces about 800,000 barrels a day. Uh, we use about 20 million. That's 4%. Um, simple supply and demand. When you take four percent of the supply, you're going to hurt. Uh, you're going to hurt the price of gasoline at the pump. So um, the the everything we do at Papa John's, our trucks, the harvesters that pick our tomatoes, our dairy farmers, mm-hmm. um, our distribution network, our delivery drivers, everything we do runs on a gallon of fuel. Mm-hmm. And so when you see a tendency to overregulate. You see uh, minimum wage going, you know, for almost double. Um, and then you see gasoline uh, potentially going up. I'm, I'm very concerned about small business. And I get pretty upset about it because um, uh, small business is the heartbeat of America. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what makes those people that wake up every day and make our country great. They're, they're my heroes. And I'm concerned about the next six to 12 months uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Going off of what you were just saying about, um, you know, the current concerns that you've heard um, and the concerns that you have, I've, I've heard echoed um, from several restaurant owners in town, you know, on the whole permitting, per- permitting issues as, as well as, you know, labor costs. Um, that's always in the back of their mind, even as they've had to lay off staff because of COVID. Um, there's always, you know, the concern about the, the labor market when things return to normal and being able to pay people a, a fair and a competitive competitive wage for them. So um, I think these are some big concerns, you know, for folks that even make it out of, you know, the COVID crisis. Yeah. The minimum wage proposal, uh, do you feel like that's going to be kind of crippling to some of these small businesses, it sounds like? I can just talk to you from personal experience at Papa John's. First of all, we, we don't, we didn't pay anybody minimum wage because if you really want, to serve on your better ingredients, better pizza promise, you have to have better people. And so if you have better people, you've got to pay more and give them more opportunities. Um, I I think moving minimum wage up, of course, it's the right thing to do. Uh, And you want to do that for the, um, you know, folks that are working and and those are entry level jobs. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, people go say that, well, it's a dead end job. No, we all start off with dead end jobs. We all start off. I started a Rocky sub pub for two thirty five an hour. So, um, I think it's fine uh, to escalate minimum wage, but don't double it. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't scare the, whether they're going to go from 725 or depending on the state, 770, whatever state you're in to $15. I, 
I don't know if that's going to happen, but it's sure scaring, um, you know, scaring small business to death that even considering that, that kind of drastic change, not 10%, not 20% double. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, speaking, speaking of, about all of these concerns about small business, I have to wonder, and I've, I've thought about this while writing about you several times, John, I, I really want to know, have you ever thought about, you know, starting another business endeavor or starting another small business um, here in Louisville? Of course. And, um, you know, as they say in concepts, there's only one founder. Every mm-hmm. once in a while you'll have, you know, the McDonald brothers are one or two people usually, but there's only one founder, but you know, there's also only one hometown and, you know, Kentucky and Louisville, Jeffersonville, mm-hmm. that's my hometown and it always will be. Um, in fact, I was, I don't want to use the word disheartened. I was, I was sick that they left Papa John, Papa John's left Louisville hanging. I, I mean, when you, you build something out of a community and, and we were a part of that community. Yeah zoos universities trails um you know you name it we were trying you know kids center etc to be part of that community for oh my gosh 59 years and this had the company you know wake up and leave all the the great people hard-working people the hanging and that's basically what they did uh was infuriating frankly (laughs) i was um and uh, I was unhappy and I'm still not happy. Mm-hmm. We have people, um, Haley and Dave, they've been there, you know, for, I'm telling you, 28, 29, 30, 30 years. Uh, Connie, mm-hmm. Houston, uh, Keita, um, you know, Joe Spin, all these folks were part of the Papa John's family. Now they're on, on the street. And um, that's just, that's just unacceptable. But <clears throat> um, things always work out for the best. And, um, Right now with COVID, Papa John's is doing extremely well. As much as I hurt for Louisville getting dumped by Papa John's, and as much as I hurt for the employees, which I tried everything I could do to, to save them, and, and I paid my dues to try to protect them, um, at least my franchisees, who are really the small business owners behind Papa John's, at least they're right now thriving because of COVID, and they're having the best year they've ever had. And I am getting a little pleasure out of at least knowing of one leg of the stool, the franchisees are still doing quite well. Small business, to answer your question, of course. I'm looking at um, two or three deals right now. Um, I think my marching orders to myself are be opportunistic, of course, but also be patient. <clears throat> and right now you kind of want to get in a hurry, but better judgment says, let's let the dust settle a little bit here. We now have a new administration. Uh, we have an, uh, a record number of executive orders in the first week. Whether that's good or bad or different, I don't want to debate that, but a lot of change. And we're coming off COVID. Uh, we're coming off, you know, we're right at a record stock price with the Dow. Uh, we're looking at increasing minimum wage. The price of gas is going to go up. Are these deterrents or distractions for me moving on with another concept? No, but they are paused for consideration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would it be would it be in the the food and beverage industry again, or are you looking outside of of your realm of expertise there? Yeah, I tried to get around the question, Haley. But anyway, <laughs> there's uh, my, my so four easy. criteria for my yeah. <laughs> she, she, she's very good at what she does. Um, my four criteria for my next venture is one is 
it has to be part of my soul, what I, I, I really believe is um, uh, good. I started out in the bar. Uh, we sold a lot of alcohol. We made a lot of money, and I was miserable. I like pizza. Uh, the only thing I like about pizza is there is a lot of calories in a slice of pizza, but I do like bringing friends and family together. Mm-hmm. Two is it has to be better for humanity. I don't want to be part of something that is not making mankind better. When you've had the kind of success I've had, and you can't help can't help your fellow uh, man and fellow woman out, then shame on you. And I don't know what that's going to be. I just like better ingredients, better pizza. We did take all the MSG, the nitrates, all the cellulose, which they actually had wood in the cheese to keep it from clunking. I mean, like, no, and we put, we changed that for sugar cane, little things like that. But we really (laughs) did try to walk with integrity, uh, the better ingredients, better pizza promise. Mm -hmm. Um, And that from a a personal integrity uh, perspective, that it was expensive. Um, But from a personal integrity perspective, that uh, was very proud of that. It has to be something that's scalable. Um, I mean, it was fun building 5,000 stores out of a broom closet. I I can't fib about that. I really enjoyed the ride and uh, the excitement of of building a worldwide chain out of my hometown of Louisville, Kentucky in a broom closet. And then it has to be sustainable. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can't keep feeding something financially. I don't know if we need to make as much money as we made in Papa John's, but I don't want to be feeding it every month. So if it's in my soul, if it's better for humanity, if I can scale it up and it makes a few bucks, that'll probably be what I do next. Hmm. Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll be looking for that for sure. Um, I noticed when you talk, you say we, when you talk about Papa John, so it seems like you still feel like like that's a part of you, right? So um, I kind of want to talk about the, uh, the lawsuit that you got going on right now, and it deals with the... Um, the way that you departed Papa John's, which obviously very public, very, uh, a lot of controversy around it, a lot of news media around it, which you don't feel like was, was fair at a lot of the time. So I guess just to kind of get into that, I mean, how do you think your lawsuit's going against the, the Wasserman uh, media group? You know, are you expecting a favorable outcome on that? Uh, it's going quite well. Um, the what's interesting about this lawsuit is you you start out with what you think happened and then as you do discovery you you find out closer to what really really happened mm-hmm. um i guess three or four things um dave that i would uh point out uh that we didn't know four months ago one is there's two tapes now um the first tape really exonerates me because i didn't i didn't use the word the way they said it i said in fact this guy says that I never would say it. Um, and they reversed the meaning of that. Uh, and they reversed the meaning because they basically set me up. Um, Mark Shapiro and Steve Ritchie set me up. Uh, the rest of the board went along with it. Um, you know, as uh, Mark Twain says, um, <clears throat> it's easier to fool somebody than to convince somebody they've been fooled. Um, Ritchie and Shapiro played this board for suckers and they played them for, you know, um, you know, not, not real smart. And the board went along with a, a bad theme and I got set up and, um, they did tremendous damage to the employees as we talked about, uh, and probably to the brand and to the franchise ease. But, um, we now know there's two tapes. The second tape actually indicts laundry service. Uh, the, the, the verbiage in laundry service tape is, Hey, we got him to say something. Let's take it viral. I hope he gets effed. I mean, a complete setup uh, on Richie 
Shapiro and the fo- Steve Ritchie, the CEO of Papa John's, Mark Shapiro, the head of governance for Papa John's, mm-hmm. and the, the laundry service team. We also, Louis Free, exonerated, uh, you know, who's the best in the business mm-hmm. of what I said. We have a whistleblower uh, that has come in and said, hey, we, I was very clear we're here to help John with anything we can enhance or fix his reputation. And laundry service and Jason Stein and their team did just the opposite. They did everything they could to set the guy up and to paint him, um, paint him in a bad light. So between the two tapes, um, the Louis Free report, um, we now have a whistleblower, uh, a lot of um, uh, testimony uh, that really gives the public uh, the picture of you have two board members that felt like if they could steal the company, remember Papa John's EBITDA, 200 million a year back in 96, 97. Uh, or 2000, uh, I'm sorry, 2016, 2007, yeah, 17. Uh, They wanted to steal the company. Uh, They couldn't get rid of me uh, for other things that they probably would have liked to got rid of me. So they fabricated the uh, race card and played the race card, set me up with a supplier, and then, you know, basically destroyed the brand. Um, you you kind think, of touched on this, um, yeah. you know, in that last explanation. I just wanted to to circle back on, you know, that why 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 they would uh, set you up as you claim. So I I kind of just wanted to know, you know, more generally, you know, what did they have to benefit from you not being at at the helm of the company that you ran successfully um, for a number of years? Well, Richie was on his, was going on his way out. I remember I was already cleaning house. Um, I had gotten rid of um, one of the lead directors because of his contact conduct with the previous company. Um, I got rid of um, Mark Shapiro because he had an inappropriate relationship with one of the other directors. I got rid of a, a, a local CEO who was a director because of personal habits that were unacceptable. And Richie was next and uh, he didn't want to lose that you know, I think they paid him $6 million the last year he was there. Mark Shapiro switched uh, the marketing uh, to Endeavor, which he got a $10 million package on when he signed Papa John's up for a $40 million uh, package. So you have uh, Shapiro, who wanted the $40 million, the $10 million bonus on the marketing. You got Richie, who wanted to run the company and felt like he couldn't run the company. Uh, if I was then was getting ready to get terminated, uh, Olivia Curley, we were going to have to ask her to step down from the board for uh, personal reasons. And she wanted to be chairman of the board. She's kind of a self-righteous, um, omnipotent, born-again Christian. So, you know, we're dealing with that kind of uh, that kind of attitude. So there was a lot of folks that had a lot of reason to get rid of me that I was getting ready to have to get rid of and get off the board in order to take the company to the next level. Do you, um, have we heard those tapes? I mean, is that something that, that, that have been released or do you plan to release? Well, that's what's uh, the, the, the bad news is, um, that they, they taped it without telling me they taped it. The good news is they taped it. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if the board, what the reason the board doesn't, uh, distribute the tape is because it exonerates what I said and it, clearly paints them in the light where they're personally responsible. Um, there's two reasons, uh, two ways that you can be held personally account, personally accountable, um, financially 
as a public board of director. One is you violate your duty of care, which we just went over. Uh, for sure, Richie and Shapiro did. And two, you do uh, you violate your duty of loyalty, mm-hmm. where you uh, you put the shareholders in in front of yourselves. And when you listen to the tape, you it does exonerate me. When you listen to the second tape, it indicts laundry service and Papa John's as co-conspirators in setting all this up. Now, once that that won't stay in the light of day as a board of director of a publicly held company. So the answer is, yeah, there's tapes. But if you look at, for example, the laundry service tape right now, they're fighting to keep that uh, sealed. Now, you know, they're the ones that did this. The tape is the tape. Why you have to seal a tape if there's nothing on there that's going to hurt you or the company? So the company does not want the first tape unsealed in laundry service and or, especially Shapiro and Richie, don't want the second tape revealed. Mm-hmm. I think we will get the second tape uh, unsealed here in the next 30, 60 days. Okay. And I'll be back on your show for that. I was going to say, <laughs> okay. let's have the audio on this show. That'd be mm-hmm. great. But, uh, <laughs> I guess we can't do that for I mean, this episode. Yeah. but uh, The second tape is chilling. I mean, it's when you hear the, uh, the conversation back and forth and the total setup, it's mm-hmm. disgusting, it's wrong, it's chilling, and it's obvious what was going on with the Papa John's Board of Directors and Steve Ritchie and Mark Shapiro and a laundry service. Yeah, I mean, I can tell just hearing you talk about it, it sounds like it's, it's pretty damning. What did you think the first time you heard that? Shock. Um, because you understand, Dave, when this all went down, the board never sat down with me over a cup of coffee and said, hey, we, we think there's a race issue. Uh, we think, John, we don't want you being part of this company. Remember, the board unanimously voted me in as chairman on May the 4th. Mm-hmm. The, the conference happened May the 20th. So there was no heads up that we wanted, you know, we want to get rid of John or we want to separate. Mm-hmm. You'd think one of them would sit down over a cup of coffee. Remember, Livy Curley's been on the board 18 years. Um, you've got uh, Sonia Medeo, who I talked to, talked to the Thursday up till the time uh, that I was, asked, or I was asked to get off the board and kicked out of the office. So I had a relationship with Chris Coleman and Lorette Kohler. I mean, we went to events together. We went on trips together. Not one board of director, not one, called me up and said, hey, John, can we have a cup of coffee? You need to go or we need to go. Instead, they set me up with an agency, tried to provoke me, taped it, reversed what I said, ran it to Forbes, and got caught because of the we had a, a hot mic moment just happened to catch after I got off the phone on recording and then did the damage they did to the brand. You can't handle this from a chairman, founder, spokesman, authenticity, any worse than this board of directors handled this at Papa John's International. They violated their fiduciary duty. They they violated their duty of care. They violated their duty of loyalty. They will be held personally liable for damages which is probably going to run into hundreds of millions for what they did. Uh-huh. And they know that they know that and they are squirming because they hear footsteps every day. Yeah. Um, I, w- I want to talk about this all day. Uh, let me ask you this one thing and then we'll move on to the next one. It's like when you were, when you said the racial slur in the context that you said it in, like, why did, why would you even say it in that context? Like, why wouldn't you just say the N word or some other phrase to indicate what that word was? I mean, like, well, we're in a training session, uh, 
A, to make sure we don't say something in public. The November 1st, 17 comments were benign and they painted that in as I was against kneeling. So we had lived with a false narrative for seven months. And I'm like, hey, I didn't go back and look at the transcripts on December or November the 1st. Yeah, I wrote that story. I'm, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. like. There, there's nothing the in, it's benign. There's nothing yeah. in there that, yeah, it's crazy. They fabricated that. And see, that was Richie and Shapiro behind the scenes already planning uh, the seed of, let's paint John as a racist to get rid of him. See, they were already working behind the scenes. That was Shapiro and, and Richie already doing everything they could do to not help me. And by the, the company not helping me, they, they hurt me. So the frustration of coming back in in May, it's like, hey, we've been dealing this for seven months and there's no validity. It's a false narrative. The call was supposed to be a marketing call. In the middle of the call, he says, no, I don't want to do marketing. I want to do race training. I said, well, couldn't I get a heads up? And that's on the tape too. He said, well, we didn't have time to prepare you, which we found out later is an absolute lie because they had the questions over the weekend and they kept pushing and pushing. And I said, you know, Colonel Sanders is a local uh, celebrity and a founder. I said, you guys got this all wrong. Colonel Sanders actually uses the word. I mean, he was very uh, outspoken about that word. I said, hey, this guy uses the word. I never used the word. You guys got to get off this. You're painting me in the same genre when I use the word debacle as you do with Colonel Sanders actually calling somebody the word. And so it was just the frustration. Two points on that. The contrast of, hey, he says it, I would never say it. In the context, it's like when Forrest Prentice says, well, John, use the n-word i didn't use the n-word i repeated what somebody else said in the context of i would never say it yeah going along with um with with that statement um it reminds me of the report that you were talking about earlier with the former fbi director louis free um i kind of just wanted to know you know how that report made you feel obviously both of us uh, david and i have read it um wanted to know you know if you feel vindicated you know after seeing the results of what he found well, the board of directors should have done what Louis Free did. When you have an accusation like this, that's the first thing you do. You get a special committee and you hire an investigation. They reacted, panicked, without any kind of special committee or without any kind of investigation and did tremendous damage to the brand and to the employees and to the franchisees without really doing their due diligence, which is a violation of the duty of care. You have to be thoughtful in your decision making. Um, Louis Free, uh, I thought it was a good report. You know, he, Louis investigated for 10 months. So he had so he has so much good stuff. I mean, that was only 20% of what the, actually he's done. And I kept, I kept pushing Louis, Louis, you know, why don't you put this there? Why don't you put it there? And end of the day is Louis does what Louis going to do. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to get him to change words or change sentences. So, um, I knew my heart. I knew how I was raised. I don't ever get cute or fancy or clever with that kind of terminology or that kind of uh, disrespect to my fellow man. It's not how I'm wired. It's not how I was raised. I knew um, with all my friends and some of my and my friends of color and the people that worked at Papa John's, I knew they would they would um, defend me and be there because they're going to tell the truth. Um, when Louis did the report, it was like, well, yeah, I told you. And he, he acted a little surprised it came back that clean, but Louie's a pretty, you know, he's a pretty 
uh, low-key, mellow kind of guy. But I have to say, once the report came out and it, the media picked it up and it went viral, um, I, I, I felt a sense of relief for my kids and my grandkids. Um, because you don't want that floating around because it's just, it's nonsense. It's not true. If it was true, then you have to say you're sorry. You have to get counseling. You have to, you know, there's a penalty. But when it's not true, you, you want to set the record straight. And for my kids and my grandkids' sake, they can bring this up when, you know, my day comes to go. And they have protection that, no, he, he, he's, he wasn't like that. He never would be like that. He was, he was good to everybody. And here's the report that proves it. Um, and that, that makes it all worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just kind of transitioning uh, to the company now. Yeah, uh, I, I read your most recent piece in uh, Seeking Alpha about how um, you think Papa John's has abandoned, you know, its brand of, you know, better ingredients, better pizza, and also, you know, about the fact that it's moving to Atlanta and, you know, losing some of that institutional knowledge that you say is here in Louisville. Um, so kind of just wanted to know, you know, what you would be doing differently if you were still at Papa John's right now. Well, the first thing I would do is what I did in the broom closet because we built the whole company on two fundamental beliefs. Mm -hmm. Take care of your employees first and foremost. Take care of your people. Second, if you take care of them, they'll make a good product and they'll take care of your customers. Remember, your customer experience cannot exceed your employee experience. And we've gone from, in my opinion, uh, people are priority one always, Papa, to where people are just objects of self-gain. They're just somebody to be used. Um, you know, they're not convenient and we can save a few bucks. We don't care if they've been there 25 years, we're going to throw them out the door. Um, but with, with COVID, I believe they're getting a free pass on multiple fronts. One is the product quality is, is deteriorated, uh, substantially. It just has, they don't measure what gets measured, gets done. What gets rewarded, gets repeated. The first thing they did was take out the measurement system on quality. I had a friend last night in Miami, ordered some products, sent me a picture of it. Um, product was on, on, um, you shouldn't have been served. It was, what not only was an eight, it wasn't six. Um, and that's happening. We're with the social media platform. We're getting a lot of folks saying, Hey, it's not what it used to be. They changed the recipe. They changed it. I don't know if they, they changed the recipes on a few things. Um, I'm not sure that's as big a culprit is the fact that they, you know, the way they put it together, it's just not made the way we used to make a Papa John's pizza. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about the approach to people. I just don't think what comes around goes around. Carmen's, karma is a real thing. I just don't think you can treat human beings the way uh, the Papa John's leadership and the Papa John's board of directors treats the employees and the franchisees are in the crosshairs. They're next to get it and be successful. Um, third is we built the company on fundamental principles which we call natural law uh, that are just there, mutual respect, integrity, collaborative alliances, uh, win-wins, um, you know, mutual respect, thoughtfulness, consideration. Those are fundamental principles that are universal that we built the company on. And, you know, if you're not walking principles and if you don't have principles, you're broke, you don't have nothing. And the, the, they don't think win-win, they think shareholder price. 
they don't think franchise profitability or employee benefit or employee um, best interest. They think stock price. They don't think of culture or what's best interest of the culture, what's best interest for Louisville, Kentucky, the communities we serve, um, the suppliers. They think stock price. And, you know, out of the 200 companies that are Fortune 500 the last 20 years, the numbers are crazy, like 20, 20 or left or 30 or left. I'll, I'll get you the math on that. And you, you kind of go, how are these so-called smart board of directors? We talked about the corporate geniuses at the Papa John's board. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are these smart, so smart people that know good corporate governance and they're, they have all this experience, how do they come in and destroy companies? I'm watching it with my own eyes with my baby, Papa John's. They've, they don't care about people. They don't care about the franchisees. They don't care about the communities they serve, and they don't care about the product quality. And that's a recipe for a company that when COVID's off, let's see what happens. When, they, when we have a really a, a true up of what reality, because when people are, you have a monopoly when people are stuck at home, it's a captive audience. And you're in the pizza delivery business, you've got a tailwind, it's, it's hard to mess up. And the new CEO, Rob Lynch, he has no pizza experience. Nobody on this board can run a Papa John's. There's nobody on the executive team that really has any pizza experience. And yet he thinks, he really thinks, this guy's delusional. He thinks the reason they're successful is because this new management team, this new leadership team, this guy couldn't run a Papa John's his life depended on it. Hmm. And he's, he's, he's defensive. If you challenge him, he's hot-headed. Um, you know, it's his way or the highway. You combine that with a violation of principles, bad product quality, bad service. Service right now is worse than it's ever been. The measurement on cleanliness, which we call an MCE, they get the discard of that. So now you've abandoned your quality, you've abandoned your uh, service, you've abandoned your cleanliness, and and you're uh, carrying on like an emperor with no clothes, you know, which is it's going to be interesting. If these guys can violate everything I just told you, and be successful, I'll fall out of this chair. There's just <laughs> no way you can serve this product with this bad service, treating human beings like this and survive. There's no way. Yeah. You were glad to see Richie go, I guess. Did you, it doesn't sound like you think uh, Rob Lynch has been a good uh, steward of it. Uh, did you have hope for him coming in that, that maybe is lost now? Um, I think Papa John's is where it's at uh, for four reasons. First of all, <clears throat> it's, it's a great name. Um, I'm being facetious. <laughs> Papa John's. Uh, two is it's my recipe. Uh, it's a great one. Three is they got rid of Steve Ritchie. I, I tried to get the board to get rid of Steve Ritchie. And, you know, remember he and Shapiro hoodwinked the board and they went along with it and they're going to pay a tremendous price because they caused a lot of damage uh, with the lack of um, bo- the fiduciary duty. And uh, last but not least is COVID. So you combine a great name with a great recipe and getting rid of Steve, uh, Steve Ritchie with uh, COVID-19, and you're going to have a successful brand right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned social media on how you have this uh, social media following now, and I'm one of those followers, and I see you kind of jet-setting around the, com- the country and you know, uh, eating at other pizza joints and small businesses. Um, so <laughs> I kind of, <laughs> I just wanted to know, are you spending a lot of time in Louisville? And if so, you know, what, where are some of your favorite places to eat here? Um, to me, an airplane is like a car. I mean, it just, it just, you know, uh, today I'll be 
Naples. I'm in D.C. We go to New York tonight. I'll be in Louisville tonight, Nashville for dinner, and then in uh, Miami tomorrow night uh, wow. before I go out to the country. So, yeah, so it's just it, – Talk it, about it, Jet Setter. Is not, it's, it's a car. It's a car. It's just how yeah. – I don't even look at it like, like you all look at a car. In fact, if you don't have your car, you kind of hate balling a car. You know, you're, you're doing Uber like that. It's kind of – so my favorite – I like um, El Mundo down yep. on Frankfurt. I like those guys. Um, um, I did. I like Ruth Chris, believe it or not. Yeah, I spend probably 30, 25% my time in Louisville right now. 30. Yeah. Um, if we were headquartered, if we had another concept, we're headquartered in Louisville, then I'd there, you know, what, 80, 90%. But right now, since I'm retired, looking for something to do, since I don't have a job, probably 25 or 30%. <laughs> um, social media, um, this is an interesting. Uh, the people that, that are doing our social social media in DC and New York are puzzled that somebody that was on TV as much as I was, which was a lot, had no social media platform. And I think that's back to Richie and Shapiro trying to sabotage my social media platform to take over the company. Um, we would have more negative. I'd give $18 million to a university, say Purdue, and get negative comments. I mean, it was mm -hmm. like bizarre. And now that we we're up to like 625,000 between TikTok and Instagram, uh, we don't really get any negative comments. And it's like, how is that? We went from where no matter what we did, um, we had bad social media um, conversation to now we had nothing but positive. And I think that's because Richie, Steve, Richie, and, and Shapiro were sabotaging it with um, with our people in the social media. I think they were. Um, I think they were taking a perspective that my political views were were uh, part of the right, which they're not. And that remember they they had to find something. They were looking for any little thing they could find to get rid of me. Mm -hmm. And they were gonna they were gonna keep digging until they could steal my company from me. They just happened to get a tape, reverse the meeting, and they used uh, race as a venue to do that. So social media, um, I didn't think I would enjoy it, but I kind of do. It's fun. Um, <clears throat> I didn't grow up with it. Um, and I found that when I dabble in something and, and I don't really understand it, I usually get in trouble. So I'm learning a lot about this. Um, it's a, I like the platform because of the authenticity. Yeah. If you're straight and you're honest and you, and they see, I mean, cause they're going to see right through you because they see you based in your house. Um, then they, they kind of take a liking. If they think you're pulling the wool over their eyes, they're probably not going to like you, but um, I've enjoyed social media now that I have a company that's not sabotaging my platform behind my back. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you definitely had some haters online uh, on Twitter, uh, but uh, Haley gave me some good advice. She might not even remember this. She told me never, ever read the comments. So uh, uh, <laughs> I think that's probably what you got to do when you're on social media. Hey, I'm, I'm still guilty of that, too. <laughs> I mean, you, sometimes you just can't resist. You have to read the, the hate comments as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm asking for trouble here, but what did you uh, what do you think of Lou Vino? I, I, my brother owned it. So, um, I don't know, Chuck Schneider actually was the owner. Oh. My nephew, Chase, I don't think was I knew a that. chef there. <laughs> yeah. Chase, Chase Schneider, my nephew, actually was a chef there, huh. or is a chef there. Uh, yeah, um, right. I think, um, I think 
my brother's probably going to come out on the better side of this deal, but let's, let's wait and see how he does over the test of time. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want, want to start a full service restaurant with five stores in three different cities in the middle of COVID. But, you know, sometimes when you think something is really so absurd, so mind numbing that it can't work, those are sometimes the ones that work. <laughs> so uh, I wouldn't venture into that right now. Um, and I especially wouldn't with the leadership that you're referring to, but my brother got out for a reason. And, um, I always said Chuck's the smartest one of all of us because he got, he got his 50 million and never had to be put up with any of this, the garbage and the crap I put up with. So Chuck's a pretty smart hog swapper. Um, yeah. he, you know, you gotta, you gotta, it's a horse, it's a, uh, tug of war between he and Richie. I think Chuck Schneider is going to win that tug of war, but let's see. Let's yeah. see what the test of time says. And, and I'll, I'll just add this in here in case anybody didn't know. Steve Ritchie just bought Luvino. It's the, the restaurant we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. And, in case any and, listeners and to, didn't catch that. Yeah. To build off of David's point on Steve Ritchie, uh, Chuck Schneider now owns uh, or co owns Biscuit Belly with Chad Coulter. He's in on their, their wow. franchise there. <laughs> So you know that's a good point to note then. too. Yeah, that's full circle yeah. right there. Yeah, we went from well, biscuits back to biscuits. <laughs> and also, if you're thinking about going to Louis Davino's, just realize if it wasn't for Steve Ritchie and Olivia Curley, Papa John's would still be in Louisville, Kentucky. Steve Ritchie and, Lil, and uh, Olivia Curley ran Papa John's and destroyed a great brand. And, uh, you know, Louisville's a namesake. Kentucky was our home state. It was a great ride. And they ran – Papa John's out of town. Mm -hmm. uh, before we go, uh, we mentioned those social media handles. John, where can people find you uh, on social media? You mentioned Twitter, or yeah, you're on uh, Instagram, Instagram and TikTok, right? Yeah, Instagram, TikTok, TikTok, both platforms are the Papa John Schnatter. All right, where, where can people find you on social, Haley? Uh, they can find me on Twitter mostly. I'm at BF Lou Haley um, doing some tweets. I'm also on many of the other social media channels. And you're a constant watcher of uh, Papa John's and, and Mr. Schnatter. Uh, so that's, that's all we have for you this week. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the Access Louisville podcast on popular podcast services like Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Radio Public. Thank you so much, John. And thank you, Haley. And thank you guys for listening to us at home. And we'll see you next time. Bye.